Welcome to PS Let's Talk Love. I'm Marsha. And I'm Solvay. We're communication professors and dating and relationship coaches. And in each episode, we'll be talking about dating, love, relationships, and all their complexities. We're here to help you navigate the sometimes awful, sometimes exhilarating, and oftentimes bonkers elements of all things relationships. We want to emphasize that this podcast is separate from our teaching and research at our university jobs. It is, however, part of our desire to bring dating and relationship support to folks everywhere. Let's talk love. Welcome to episode 30. We're going to have a good conversation today. But first, we are going to do a little check-in. Marsha, what are you loving this week? Well, I am loving that I am an A student, as I said, and did my homework. You did. I'm so proud of you. Did you go to the float tank? I did. I went to the float tank and I floated. I'm an A student. You're hilarious. Okay. <laughs> tell us all about it if you feel like it or tell us. Yeah, I, I went to uh, float 49, which I feel like um, it's okay to say, like, I think that they want business. So I will you say want I would to sponsor us, float 49? Yeah, float 49. <laughs> if you want to sponsor us, we will accept it. Um, I will take my payment in the form of floats. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, wow. Really? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I, sure. Okay. Sure. I would. I'm not, I'm not opposed to a barter system. Um, no, no. I just mean, that means you must have, it must not have been terrible because otherwise you wouldn't be ex- ex- accepting payments that in that form. Cor- correct. It, it was not, so... My friend Lauren is an avid floater. She loves it. Like, love, 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 loves it. Was very excited that I was going. And she said that she, in her experience, everyone who floats either is, like, in love with it or hated it and it was the worst experience. She was like, it's very polarizing. So I, which is why I got a little nervous because I was like, ooh, sitting alone in darkness for an hour without stimulation. That seems like something I would hate. I landed sort of in the middle. <laughs> so I I didn't hate it. It was fine. I didn't feel like I was like reborn the way others have expressed their feeling. Like that is not how I felt. It wasn't like the most amazing experience of my life. Wait, there's some people that think it's the most amazing experience of their life and they feel They're reborn. Like, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, okay. I think it can be really life-changing for some people. So here's what I do think after analysis of this. I think part of the reason it wasn't like the most amazing thing is, number one, I don't have – like I am still recovering from that injury, but it doesn't – that injury that I have doesn't hurt when I'm just like sitting or laying. It's specific to movement. So when I am just laying on my bed – I feel no pain typically, right? Like, you know, all of us have aches and pains, but I am not like in chronic pain in any way. And I think that a lot of times if people are in pain, especially back pain, that this, because it's, you're weightless, 
in the salt water, I think that that makes it like a really, it just feels really, really good, right? Like, so I think that makes sense. It, 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 yeah, if you have an actual pain like that, that it's relief for that pain. Yeah, and yeah. it's a whole hour of feeling very weightless and not having to experience that pain. So I didn't have like it wasn't like I was trying to take away pain. I was I'm like using it more for healing and anti-inflammation and you know all of that. So I think that's one of the reasons. I think the other thing is it can be the meditative part of it of like sitting in silence and with your own thoughts can be really wonderful for people. But I do do that when I run. So I there are times I run without music or without podcasts or anything. Like I will just run in silence. Mm-hmm. And and so I do get that too. Um and so I was kind of like, well, I guess I sort of already get some of the benefits or the benefits that are really transformative for people. I like am getting in other places or it doesn't affect me as much. So anyway, I think that that might be part of the reason it, I was like, well, it was fine. <laughs> cool. But it wasn't too – I mean, you were stressed about having to be there in there for an hour when we talked about this. Yeah. Anybody who's listening for the first time, listeners, we talked about this a couple weeks ago and Marsha had a homework assignment to go do this. So <laughs> – that's what we're talking about. And if you don't know what we're talking about, it's a float tank. It it's like salt water where so you float really, really easily in it. And it's also kind of sensory deprivation. So like it's silent and you can make it dark. And you have some like flexibility. Like they can play this instrumental music, or you could opt to press a button and turn it off. There's Ooh. lights, like lights in there, but you can opt to turn them off. Oh, um, okay. So you have some or back on, like, you know. There's there's definitely some control over the environment, um, so that was really nice. I started with music and lights. I really quickly turned the lights off because oh. it was kind of bright. But here's the situation. So she like showed me the whole thing. Like so, you climb in. Like there's doors to this tank. So you're in a room by yourself, but then you also go into this tank where the water is. So the room has closed like, a that. Okay, but you close yourself into a thing because that feels the most concerning to me. It's not. I I know it sounds like it would be really claustrophobic, but it's a big. So the pool you're in is eight foot in diameter, like from, you know, it's a round pool and it's eight feet across in all ways. Um, So that's pretty big and it's tall. Like the, the thing it's in has sides, but it's tall. Like I could stand in it easily. Oh, And I'm six feet tall. Okay. Uh, so it's there are doors to it but it like i just i don't i mean i like have a tendency toward a little bit of claustrophobia but not really really severe okay. so um there is just as an aside there is one of the tanks that's just in a room so you don't close yourself in anything hmm. um just in the room so they said that if people are claustrophobic that's where they put them oh um, okay yeah. See, so informative. You learned so much. I know. Yeah. I talked to the owner afterwards for a long time. <laughs> and then, um, so anyway, you're, so I got in and I'm like, I was laying there with the music and, and you also put these earplug things in so water doesn't get in your ears. So it's hard to hear anything anyway. So I turned the, I, well, no. Okay. So the music was barely on. I could barely hear it. And the lights were like pretty bright, I felt like. So I was like, okay, I'm going to turn the lights off. 
So I press the button in the tank to turn the lights off. Well, then it is like the darkest dark that you have ever experienced. There's no, there's no light. And I'm floating for a while. And then I'm like, oh, I can almost feel like a little bit of salt getting toward my eye. And I was, and I, like, they show you a whole process. Like they have you put a towel in a certain place and there's fresh water hanging in the tank and stuff to wipe your face if like that that happens because salt water you know burns and (laughs) then I'm laying there but I've like moved a little bit so I have no sense of like where the button to turn the light back on is and and the water is not deep like it's like I don't know like two feet deep at most like it's it's not deep okay and but the bottom is super slick because it's salt water and also you're super super buoyant in it so i am crawling and then there's also (laughs) there's also a button on the side that's like the emergency button so she was you know they show you all this and they're like so if there's any emergency press this button and like we'll come on a speaker and talk to you and like determine if we need to call an ambulance or whatever right determine what the emergency is so i'm like okay well i can't just like randomly be pressing things (laughs) Because, so I, and it's a, you know, it's like a big tank. Yeah. I'm slipping along the bottom, like. (laughs) This part sounds less relaxing. Super buoyant. So like, you, it's like, (laughs) my arm keeps floating up, my leg is floating up as I'm crawling around on trying to find, like, finally I realized if I put my hands a little higher, I could feel where the doors to it were. Mm. And eventually I got there and I knew the button I needed was to, anyway, that, that happened in like the first 10 minutes. So. Okay. So you had like another 40 minutes of relaxation after that. yeah, it was okay. fine. It was it was <laughs> it was a real situation though. And I was like, this is embarrassing. This whole thing. I really didn't think this through. Oh my gosh. Um, so anyway, I got everything and then I did turn the lights back off. Oh so okay. okay. I was like, now that I have a system, I know how I I have some I have some questions. Uh-huh. First question, do you think it healed you in any way that Okay, I did feel a lot. So the afterwards, I felt very much like, you know, when you get like out of a hot tub or something where your muscles all just feel kind of jello-y. Mm. Um, I felt like that, like very, very relaxed. And my mm. skin felt super soft. Because mm. like, it was hair. warm. I didn't even think about the temperature of the water. It's warm water. It's warm. It's not hot, though. Like okay. it's, they said it's like close to body temperature water. So, okay. Um, so anyway, it, and then the next day, what I noticed most is I, because I work out and stuff and I've been doing all the strength training to rehab this muscle, like every day I have like some muscle soreness somewhere, especially on my legs. And I really noticed I had like zero muscle soreness and tightness. And when I rolled out, like to stretch before I ran the next day, it was like way less sore and just, you know. The my muscles clearly had appreciated all of this salt that was that supposedly I think that the theory, the thought is that Epsom salts suck out lactic acid that builds up in your muscles and that's what creates soreness. So, especially being in like that high of a ratio solution is really really good. That's why I it was recommended to me to begin with. I see. Okay. I will. Here is here is my like in reflection. I did. I purchased 
a pack of three. So I did. Oh, wow. Okay. And they were like, how did you like it? Like, you're, this was your first time. So if you want, you can do either just get like the one tank is a little bit of a reduced cost for your first time, or you can do a three pack at a reduced cost. And we'll just apply like that first one to this. And I, I went ahead and did the three pack because I was like, okay, I didn't hate it. Um, and so I will be going back probably not like really, really often, but I would say like maybe every few weeks I might. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, or once a month, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So. I'm so proud of you. I'm an A student. (laughs) You are hilarious. Um, I just want to be clear that you don't have to be a good student. Nobody has to be a good student. Anybody listening? It's part of my identity. I hear hear that, and we should talk about that sometime. (laughs) I I allowed myself. I was like, okay, I don't have to turn the lights off. I don't have to do the music. But I like pretty quickly, I was like, no, it's going to be more relaxed. Like, not, oh, I have to be an A student. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, it'll be more relaxing. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I love that actress who is the main character. Yeah, I don't know. Her she name hasn't right been now. in like anything else. It, she was brand new. She's so funny. She's hilarious, and and the, the whole cast is too. Like yeah. so, it's just a strong cast. Like well written, hilarious. Heard the Ted Lasso reference. Thought of you. <laughs> I got so excited. <laughs> that was great. There's just so many good references that you're that are probably. Because we're, I don't know about, I don't know how old Mindy Kaling is, but I think we're probably, the writers must be around our age-ish. Yeah, I think Mindy Kaling is maybe like four, 40, early, early maybe. 40s, yeah. somewhere yeah. in there. Yeah, so yeah, same so generation. Funny. So funny, so fun. Yeah, so way to go. That was, I love, I, that is making my week happier. Thank you. And then I also call back from last week, you had been talking about Um, connecting with your neighbors and one of the things I'm loving this week is that so I have neighbor I know my neighbors on both sides of me and and I mean not well but I know them and particularly on one side the um, my neighbor is always out walking her dog several times a day by my house and so we have little chats and two days ago I pulled up and she said oh you know I just got my apple picker out and I have an apple tree in my yard if you want to come and pick some apples which I hadn't even noticed that she had an apple tree. And I've ne- I've never picked apples before off a tree. At least if I have, I don't remember. So somebody oh, fact check really? me on that. I don't think I've ever done it before. I did. It felt like an experience I had never had. Um, or maybe I picked like one off a tree somewhere at some point in my life. But she had this apple picker thing and I got to pick apples. And then she was like, I think you should make a pie out of the – or she said that she's been making pies. And then she gave me her pie recipe and it was just such a nice way to connect with her and so thoughtful. And there are indeed many apples over there. So it was just like such a fun experience. I've been kind of wanting to connect with her anyway because I feel like she's probably got some good stories. I don't know how old she is, but I would guess she's in her 70s. I feel like she probably has some good stories. Every once in a while she says things where I think, oh, I want to know more about you. And so that was pretty fun that she invited me to do that. And I was like, oh, I'll make her a pie. And then I was like, never mind. She's making pies for everybody. Like that's not the thing to do. So I have to think about like what nice thing I could do for her. But we had, it was just like a really fun and it made me think of your neighborly discussion from last week. So I'm enjoying the thought of being neighborly in my life as well. Thank you for the inspiration. 
you're happy to help, especially if apples and apple pie is involved. I totally baked an apple pie last because she said they're not you they're they're too tart. You're not gonna want to just eat them, but go make try making a pie. So I did, and it turned out really good. And now I'm going to eat it all. Oh, that sounds amazing. Apple pie is my favorite kind of pie. Fun fact. Really? It's so good. Mm-hmm. I should see if I can find a gluten-free crust recipe. I get pre-made gluten-free pie crust because pie crust is one of those things that is very difficult to do without gluten. <laughs> oh, that's so lovely. Both of those. I, I mean, and I also like to pat myself on the back for yeah. inspiring. Thank you for the inspiration. Hi, listeners. We wanted to let you know that this is going to be a part one of two episodes looking at things that you need to not let go of in your relationships, the things that are problematic behaviors that you really either need to deal with as a couple or might be a red flag, a deal breaker, a reason to leave a relationship. So again, this is part one of two. We hope this is helpful. Okay, so if you've been listening to our past few episodes, we've been talking about things that you can practice accepting or perhaps let go of when it comes to somebody else in a relationship. And from that conversation, we started offline having a conversation as well about things to not let go of. And this, I know for me, made me think a few years ago at the university, I taught a class called uh, Dysfunction and Destruction in Communication. And as I was thinking about this topic today, I was thinking about that class and all of what we went through in it. And then I was also thinking about what happens in newer dating relationships and how when you're getting to know someone, this is a really valuable topic to explore today and to think about what are the things that are are essentially red flags, definitely yellow flags in a relationship that you need to pay attention to. And whether you're in a newer dating situation with someone, or if you find yourself in a long-term committed relationship with someone, and some of these things maybe are becoming more evident. I guess the last thing I want to say by way of introduction is, I don't think most of us get into relationships with people who are doing this stuff to begin with. (laughs) Right. If they're doing this stuff to begin with, we wouldn't get into the relationship for most of us. Maybe there's some people that would overlook things from the very beginning. But I think for a lot of us, when these things start to come up is once we're into a person, we've been dating them enough and then we start or we are like in a long-term commitment, we're living with somebody or something. And then when these things start to come up, it can become really complicated for you. So I just want to name all of those experiences going into this topic. What do you want to add to that? With all of these things, I do think... I think that they do sometimes show up early on. Like, I think you're right in that, yeah, you don't notice it, especially these things happening, like, specifically directed at you in a partnership until later on, right? Because everyone's on their best behavior early on and being their most respectful. But I do think a lot of these things, the little red flags, or maybe it would be yellow flags, can Mm -hmm. pop up 
when you observe the person interacting with other people who are not somebody that they want to sleep with or want a relationship with. So we think that that is a valuable thing to keep in mind, right? Like this is where we hold a couple things in our hand at the same time is we want to observe their behavior with other people, especially early on, because people are less likely to be on their very best behavior in those cases. And then keeping our eyes out for these types of things popping up as you progress through a relationship or into, you know, as you're in a long-term partnership of some kind. Um, because I do think like there's usually, I, I know I, as I'm thinking about this list that we have of items, I think of the people that I know, the friends I have that have been in relationships where this type, type of stuff comes up. And almost always you're like, oh yeah, that like, they're dis like I'm thinking of disrespect right now. They're like they've been so disrespectful to me, and you're like, yeah, and like I should have known because when we go out to eat, they're always rude to the waiter, right, or something along those lines. So there's a, there's some sort of um, hint at that behavior, and that's not blame. What I'm not doing, I'm not blaming the person for not having noticed that, mm-hmm. but a lot of times in hindsight, it's a lot easier to go like, oh crap this behavior was there all along. And I think hopefully one of the things that folks will benefit from listening to us talk about these things today is just to have these things in the back of their mind as if you are early on in the dating stages to be able to like, just keep maybe your eyes a little bit more open to this type of stuff and potentially notice it. You're not going to notice everything, but Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that's just, I think that's something to keep in mind as we go through this. This is so applicable regardless of what stage of a relationship you're at, or if you're not anywhere in a relationship right now. Yeah. That there are these there, if I'm hearing you correctly, that there are these tells that people might show in one way like it might be out in some way or another and so just noticing that and being mindful of that I think on the other side of that and I just want to say this will probably come up in our conversation too um having been in in having found myself in committed relationships with people who are doing this stuff and I and for whatever reason whether I didn't want to notice it or I didn't notice it I didn't notice it before um it (laughs) makes it really um, I just want to just voice for anyone who's out there who's single and dating right now who might have been through this before. It makes it like so challenging to not have really, really firm boundaries when you're going to date someone else. And almost to the extent where like if anybody does anything, you're just like, nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, that's I just think that's interesting. It's something I definitely feel in myself when I'm getting to know new people these days. Yeah. Which I think is not the, I think it's not the worst. Like a strong boundary is what, I mean, I think when we set good boundaries for Mm -hmm. ourselves and reasonable boundaries, people have a choice in how they're going to respond, right? If they accept that, that and like respect it and maybe alter the behavior or, or whatever, right? Whatever the boundary is then awesome, like you just set yourself up for success. And when we don't do that, or or when we do set the boundary and they're like assholes about it or a jerk about it, um, then we know like, oh, this, like, this is how they're reacting to this now. This is not, they're not, they're clearly not ready for a relationship. And that doesn't necessarily make them like a bad person. That is not what I'm saying, but it clearly makes them not ready for that partnership at that time if they can't respect those boundaries that you set. 
Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. And hopefully boundaries will come up more today because I think they're they're important. So just to say we 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 based some of this discussion on an article from Bustle. We'll we'll cite that article in the in the show notes, but the the article was about things you can't let slide to be in you cannot let slide. I'll just say that again, to be in a happy, healthy relationship. So we we're starting our discussion from this article by Teresa Newsom and then building on it um, based on just our own experiences and our own knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's dig in. So number one, do you want to start with number one? Sure. I mean, this one, and also I just want to say, like, in the spirit of honoring everybody's experiences, this may need a trigger warning for people. Some of the things we're talking about today might be intense for you, so just be aware of that if you're listening. The The first thing to not let slide if you are desiring a happy, healthy relationship is violence. Mm -hmm. And usually, again, violence doesn't start off in a really huge way. It Mm -hmm. starts off in relationships with, um, you know, well, maybe not even violence towards another person. Maybe it's violence towards an object or an animal or the wall or something like that. And it tends to, you know, the tendency is that it tends to increase with people. So when you are in a relationship with somebody and they start to be physically violent, even if it's a small thing, it can be easy to sort of be like, oh, I know they didn't mean to do that. Oh, you know, they were drunk or they were high or like there was this thing, they were really mad, you know, there was this thing and this is the reason. Um, but we really need to, we really can't let that slide. No, no, it's not, it's clear that that person, if that is the behavior they're exhibiting, has some things that they need to deal with. Like that's where personal responsibility and individual choices come in. And I think that, you know, everything has nuance. And I also understand that you can hold more than one thing. I mean, I've like already said that twice this episode, right? Like in this case, you might have really strong feelings or positive feelings about a person, but mm-hmm. also know that like any sort of violent behavior is not acceptable. And, and I think you're making a great point that it can start with inanimate objects right it can start with slamming the door punching a wall or you know we could go down a list and and then escalate and I think this that's where it's really important to set a clear boundary when it comes to violent behavior before it escalates and remove yourself from the situation pretty quickly like this is not one to hang out and see how things are going to shake out with um, or see if you can work on it together. Like this is a situation where it's really important to make sure that you're keeping yourself safe. Um, and there, there are resources um, really specifically. I know that violence in relationships can impact people regardless of gender, but I know that specifically there, there tends to be a, quite a few resources available for women who are in some sort of do- domestic violence type situations. Um, I actually don't know if there are many resources for men who are in 
I don't know the answer to that, but we'll, you know, and I'm sure that there are resources for anyone who is in any sort of violent situation with another person. Um, And I also want to add that, that this, like, I think it's really important to be aware that this tends to start small. I mean, the thing is, if it starts big, you're probably leaving, hopefully, hopefully you're leaving that relationship. If someone, you know, if you're leaving it. So, you know, and I, I want to share that in one of my past relationships, this stuff did not, um, and and this person was never actually physically violent with me, but what happened was it started small and it usually started when it had to do with alcohol. And what happened in my relationship was more self-harming behavior, which I think is just another thing to notice. Mm-hmm. This person would do things to hurt themselves when they were in uh Uh, you know, this sort of intensified state. And that was equally really scary. Yeah, Yeah, that's terrifying. And when you are in a relationship with someone who you really care about and you really love and, you know, whatever it is, whether they are harming themselves, whether they are, you know, whatever it is, it's uh, it's really confusing. I think I think that's at least that was my experience. I was just like, what? <laughs> this is yeah. not what I mean. I don't I don't mean to laugh about that. I just was like, what is happening? Like this is not my life. Like this is not what I have chosen. This is not who you are. Like this is what's happening here. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, we I know we could spend a whole episode on this, but I just want to say there's like a lot of different forms that this takes and 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 for me, I mean, you all know I'm a pretty compassionate person. At that time I was like, we just need to get you help. Like you need help. And so I spent a lot of energy trying to get this person, my partner at the time, help. Um and I don't know that I would do anything different, but what happened then was it started moving from him to objects around. And and for me, the final straw was when he was really angry, he broke the TV that we had bought together. We lived together and he broke the TV that we had bought in like a fit of anger and like by throwing something and breaking the screen. And for me, that was like the end. <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay, I know what the research says about this. I know that this just increases and it's not getting better. And and in that situation, you know, he had been in therapy. There were things he was working on. There were things he was trying to um, to do to work on his anger. But um, it was, it, I, I, that for me was just like, yeah, I need to, I need to stop this. I can't let this slide anymore. But, but I just want to say, I mean, that took me like a year to make that decision Mm -hmm. because I really loved this person. And again, he wasn't physically violent towards me, but he was violent towards himself and objects. And, um, I just, I, yeah, I don't, I I don't think, I think as painful as that can be, if you really love someone, you can't let that slide. No, that that's thank you for sharing that because i think that that's really valuable for folks to hear that like and i appreciate how you're noting that like you still had a lot of really like you had love for this person yeah Yeah. i think that that's that's what the trouble is right is like Mm -hmm. having compassion and love but also having to be able to set the boundary like this is an example of boundary setting of like this isn't acceptable behavior and and also remembering that, you know, I think especially folks like you and many, I'm sure many of our listeners who are kind and compassionate, like we want to help, right? Like you want to help the person. And sometimes the 
best thing you can do is like give them some resources, right? Like a list of resources and then remove yourself from the situation. And I know that that's hard to do, but I think that that sometimes is the kindest thing that you can do, even though in the moment it doesn't feel like the kindest. Yeah. But you do have to always protect yourself. Like that's essential. If your needs are as important as the other person's needs, then ultimately you have to remove yourself from the situation. And that's all really hard. Like me describing this in this kind of tone of voice, this is five years out Mm -hmm. from this happening. So um, there was a, you know, there was quite a bit of time there where I couldn't talk about it without crying because I was so, um, you know, upset slash probably also traumatized by what had happened. Just it, it wasn't an experience I had ever had. I didn't expect to have an experience like that. I wasn't looking for that. I don't know that there were tells. Maybe there were, maybe there weren't. But I just want to normalize that for people who not normal, not norm, normalize the experience of it for people who are like, well, I don't think I'd find myself in a situation like right. that. Like, yeah, neither did I. Like, I did not <laughs> expect to find myself in that situation. And at that point, this person was living with me, so it was really yeah. hard to. And I know that there are people who have story. You know, they're likely listeners who are with us here who have way more difficult stories than what I just shared. So both honoring you and if you are finding your way out of a relationship, getting out of a relationship, or even have gotten yourself out of that relationship, I really want to encourage you to get support as well, get your own support, um, but also to not let those things slide. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it takes a lot of bravery and, bravery (laughs) to get out of those kind of situations right like and to and to talk about it like you just did too right like nobody goes into a relationship being like all right I'm gonna find somebody who likes to throw things at the tv when they're angry right like nobody's I don't think anyway that's anyone's dream scenario and not anything that somebody is expecting necessarily or wanting yeah um yeah, and I guess I want to say too, if you're listening to this and you are the person that does that, you know, like that might be possible as well. Please go get support. Please go get help. That's not the way that you need to deal with things as well. Like there are um there are a lot of resources to support us to find new behaviors and to be able to like there are ways that we can change those behaviors in ourselves, but we have to be intentional about them with with any of these things, right? If you find yourself being like, "Oh, I think I'm the person that does that." Okay. And recognize that you can change. Like you 100% believe that you can change. You may not be able to stay in the relationship you're in right now. Who knows? I don't know. But you can definitely heal and make choice, make different choices. But it is intentional work, especially if these are patterns that you have in your life. Yeah, I think that that's a great point. Um, And I think it's just uh, to wrap that, that, that part of the conversation up. Just also noting that like it's never your job to fix somebody else and it's never your partner's job to fix you, right? Like if you are the person who are doing these things, like the person who's with you is under no obligation to do all the things to fix you, right? And and if you are in a relationship with somebody who's doing these things, it's not your obligation to fix them or to stay in it as they try to work through their own issues. Like that is not your responsibility. It's not your obligation. Take care of, of yourself. And I mean that in like, not in a like, just be selfish way, but in this case, yeah, like be selfish with your emotions and your emotional well-being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, if we're ever talking about something and you have questions, reach out to us, but we're going to move on to another thing to not let slide. Disrespect. <laughs> and I think that this, this one is a little bit hard just because sometimes I feel like disrespect and especially in relationship situations, it's so contextual and there's so much, so many layers involved in it. Um, so, so as we're, we're, I think we have a couple examples that we can share with you guys, but when, we, when we talk about this, obviously it's really individual and it's specific to the relationship. So we might have a couple examples and you're like, I kind of feel like I have disrespect in this situation, but none of them fit what they just said that that's normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can define what feels disrespectful to you because it is so layered in relationships. Yeah. Um, and ultimately that's, what's important, right? In the relationship, yeah. in the context of the relationship is you being, a, if, if your partner is doing something like this, or if you're the person doing this, that you can have conversation about what feels disrespectful and try to understand, right? I love, I love what you said a couple weeks ago, Marsha, about seek to seek to understand, mm-hmm. right? To seek to understand what someone else is experiencing, even if you might have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing that comes up for me as we're talking, as we look at this, this specific category of things to not let, let slide with disrespect, my college boyfriend, this was so triggering for me. Uh, he would, when we would be in conflict, we would get to a point like there would be exchanges and then he'd go, fuck off. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Just to you. Just to, Just to like, me. Yeah. And I, like, and I, I mean, I think he maybe did a grand total three times and all three were in like the last, I don't know, five months of the relationship, right? Like it was, it, I think if I, looking back now, right? Hindsight is so much more valuable. Right. <laughs> looking back now, the first time was like when I mentally was like, all right, we're about done here. Like, this is not acceptable. I did not voice that in any way. But in hindsight, like it was clear the writing was on the wall that like that's not acceptable behavior to just especially when we were in conflict. And what's like, again, context, there have been times probably this month where Dustin and I have jokingly said fuck off to the other person. Right. But it's so different in how you say it and when you say it like um in fact, I can tell you a time when Dustin <laughs> and I said it. The other day, we accidentally went on a walk wearing the exact same matching outfit. Navy blue <laughs> pants that looked very identical and black <laughs> raincoats. Thank you for some comic relief in the midst of this. I figured, okay. I figured that, that this was a... Yeah. And, and because we both wear like my old running shoes, because we have the same size feet. We wear my old running shoes as like walk, you know, just like kick around shoes, because I have lots of old running shoes. We were even wearing the same shoes. Oh my gosh. Okay. And I was like, well, obviously, because you want to be just like me and you're trying to mimic me in every way. And he was like, fuck off. <laughs> and it, it like said it and like kind of like did like an eye roll, but also like was giggling. And then it's like, maybe I do. Maybe I just want to be just like you. And we giggled about it. But context, that is what the important thing here, right? 
like and the fact big... that you were both giggling about it like yes. it was a funny thing right it was yeah I mean I think with with a lot of these terms just as you said it's layered and you know some of the examples we're going to give it does depend on the context and the comfort level of both people for example I I think this is very like familial cultural difference related as well intercultural differences like I grew up in a family where there was not a lot of cussing so for me mm-hmm. though I do cuss a bit now and I actually really like certain cuss words um I'm pretty sensitive to them and so when somebody you know uses cuss words especially in a conflict situation it mm-hmm. feels really intense for me in a way that it might not for two other people who both grew up in familiar familial or intercultural dynamics where a lot more cussing is used or there's a lot more terms that are used so you know my family really my familial culture really emphasized politeness so even when someone says shut up to me it feels jarring like it feels like a disrespectful I'm sure if I was laughing with somebody else and we're like, oh, shut up. You know, like that's a different thing. But if I were in a disagreement with someone and they said to shut up or fuck off or, you know, any variety of things, like those things really deeply impact me and feel disrespectful um, to the point where in relationships, because I happen to get in relationships with people that cuss a lot more than I do naturally. Like that's just a, I've noticed that in terms of people that I tend to date, um, that I've had to really set boundaries around like when you are angry, please don't cuss because that's that feels disrespectful for me. And that's been a, that's been a challenge in some of my relationships because for them, it doesn't feel disrespectful. For them, it's like the natural course of what they would say if they were frustrated. So mm-hmm. it is really it is really um, context specific. And I think there's these other layers that, um, you know, I've tried to be tougher, I guess, in terms of it. But also I want someone who will like, honor my side of it as well (laughs) yeah and things like i mean i think the example of shut up again in in conflict or fuck off or anything like i think there's other things probably that we could fill in the blank around but i think what is particularly problematic about something like that that i i don't give as much leeway with like a cultural difference or a familial norm is that what those those things do is shut down the mm-hmm. interaction. And so when you're in conflict and somebody tells you shut up, they're literally like that's stonewalling, right? Like they're putting mm-hmm. up this barrier and disregarding. They're clearly not listening to what you're saying. Like all, there's all these things that the there's an underlying meaning behind something like shut up or fuck off or, you know, again, fill in the blank, some other term. And I think that is what I would say I would escalate it a little bit to a little bit worse than maybe somebody I, I suppose the the like you saying when somebody cusses a lot it feels aggressive even if it's not necessarily directed at you mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what I'm hearing with mm-hmm. your example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean again it depends yeah. on the person and the context, right? Yeah. Someone might cuss a lot and I may not be bothered by it, but it I, I'm more sensitive to it than I think others are. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially in conflict, right? So if they're but like yes, I'm just especially. so fucking mad like to you, that might feel more aggressive than it would to somebody else. I think that's yes. less egregious, and mm-hmm. I think it that's there's more negotiation that can happen there than when somebody fully shuts down the conflict with like a fuck off or shut up. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is some difference with that. And I think all of this is, is of course, individual. Like you have to be able to communicate what things feel disrespectful to you because inevitably I think you're going to run into this at some point in a relationship where like there's maybe a line that somebody's getting close to in terms of disrespect because it's such a big I mean there's just so many opportunities to inadvertently be disrespectful right like yes yes these are pretty obvious ones right there's a lot of them yeah there's a lot of yeah yeah like, like, for example, you know, sometimes it's like being rude to being rude to or about friends or family, right? Like if the, that yeah. can be something that feels disrespectful, like maybe it's okay for you to joke about your brother, but if someone else does, it feels like a disrespectful thing, right? Like there's mm-hmm. things like that that are nuanced in relationship where you can be like, well, I say my brother's like this, but you can't say that because that feels disrespectful to my family, right? Those are those places where we, we have to negotiate that within the relationship. Yeah. And even like what being rude means, right? Like Mm -hmm. what, what's Mm -hmm. your definition of rude to a friend or a family member? Like it might be like to somebody, it might be like, you had your phone out when we were hanging out at my parents' house. And they're like, I didn't like, my family doesn't care if I do that. I didn't even think about it as disrespectful. So this is, this is what we mean when we're talking about kind of like some this is so individual and it's going to be dependent so much on the the situation and the people involved. And and that's how people inadvertently disrespect or communicate disrespect, right? Is like maybe they don't fully understand what the expectations are and it's difficult to clarify expectations in every single situation that you encounter preemptively. Yeah, and I hope what you're hearing in this is this is not like it depend depending on what the situation is, it may not be a deal breaker like violence is. This is one that you don't want to let slide because you want to talk about it, right? This, I mean, this is one where we would encourage you to say, hey, when you show up 30 minutes later than you said you were going to, it feels disrespectful because it feels like you're not valuing my time, right? Like those, that's like a thing that you can say to somebody that maybe the other person is like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I thought we were being super chill. I thought like it didn't matter if I was 30 minutes late. Like it doesn't have to mean that there's something malicious that this person's trying to do. It's just something that if it really bothers you, if that is something that really bothers you, to be able to communicate that is really important and not always accept or accommodate. Yeah. A friend of mine was just talking about one of these examples kind of with her uh, partner and she had left him a couple like little notes like just like he was asleep still and she left little notes like telling him something and he had left like it was three different times that it happened and he left the note in the same place on the nightstand and like didn't do anything with it. And like to me, I would not like I would be like, oh, they left a cute note. I read it like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um and it would not offend me if somebody left said note on the nightstand. But to her, it felt disrespectful because it was like, you're not even acknowledging that that note was left. Like, mm. she's like, almost it would feel better if you would pick it up and throw it away. Like, I don't actually want, you don't need to like put it in a keepsake box, keepsake box, but like do something, do something that shows that you have, have acknowledged it. And I just <laughs> thought that was interesting. But like, that's an example of like the... I would call it like the the manageable disrespect or the yeah. disrespect that can be addressed so t- 
in order to create a more positive climate so the other person understands that the behavior is having a detrimental impact on you yeah. as opposed to suffering in silence and then just getting annoyed at the person. Totally. I'm thinking about things when you're like first cohabitating with someone, like depending on how people do the dishes or whatever, or don't do the dishes, yeah. or you would mention the like towel folding at one point, right? Like these things yeah. that are like important or like maybe more important to one person, but that can possibly like some of those things you might just be able to let go and be like, hey, it's not a big deal. But if it does really bother you, I mean, especially that those 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 first several months when you're living with someone for the first time, there's so many negotiations that are happening within that time and things that you might not realize feel disrespectful to the other person. And those things are important to talk about or they feel disrespectful to you, they're important to talk about. So you don't let them slide. You don't just let them go. You talk about them and then you try to find a solution to the problem. Yeah. And ideally, and I think this is the case in most situations, we want to like we want to be nice to the people in our lives, right? Like your romantic partner, you don't want them to feel like you're being disrespectful to them. Like I don't want that, like, ever. But if they don't know <laughs> that what they're doing is being read that way, they can't do anything to change it. So I think, like, this is one of those opportunities to have some thoughtful discussion and be open to feedback because, like, that is just part of living in the world with another human. Mm-hmm. And that being said, if someone's repeatedly being belittling to you or, you know, if the dis- disrespectful behavior feels like a really big deal and continues on and doesn't stop th- after you've had conversations about it needing to change or shift, that is where you can either implement boundaries, which we may talk about at some point, or you may choose to leave a relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think these are boundaries, right? It's a boundary when I say, like, <laughs> please don't say fuck off. Maybe, I mean, that that's a boundary. But beyond that, like, it's a boundary when I say, like, can you please not leave all of your dishes in the sink? Like, when you get a moment, can you make sure that they get in the dishwasher? Like, I do think that that is a type of boundary that we set or expectation. I guess maybe there's nuance there between boundary and expectation that I'm, yeah. It's easy. To, it's easy. To, I, I also like kind of confuse them. I mean, I, b- both and I don't know that it's really that important what we call it, but I think yeah. a boundary is something that we have to enforce. So mm-hmm. a boundary would be like, you know, please don't cuss at me via text when you're angry. And then if someone continues to do that, then it's my responsibility to make another choice. Like I, I might say to that person, if you cuss at me when you're angry via text, I will not respond to this text or I will not I will not respond for hours to this text or whatever it is. You know, if you um, if you scream at me when we're arguing, I don't know where all these are coming up, but these are the ones I got today. Um, <laughs> if you scream at me while we're arguing, I'm going to leave the house. Right. Like these yeah. things that you can then enforce. Um mm-hmm. My understanding is that that is the boundary and you have to be willing to enforce the boundary for it to be a boundary. You have to communicate about it, have a consequence, be willing to enforce the consequence. I think things like it's really important to me that we wash dishes if they're in the sink. Um, the The boundary has to be something that you can enforce, right? So I don't know. How, maybe it's, maybe that's an expectation. Yeah. 
It sounds like that's more of an expectation. Like expectation setting is, I suppose, a little bit, little bit more of a uh, suggestion, or an ask, of, or an ask. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like to feel really peaceful in our home, I would really love it if we put all our dishes in the dishwasher if mm-hmm. they're dirty, right? And then <laughs> that's a really nice way of saying that. <laughs> My way would be more like, hey, put your dishes in the dishwasher so we can run it. We don't have any forks. <laughs> yeah. And if someone's not doing that, that's when conflict ensues, right? Yeah. Yeah. Violated expectations usually leads to some level of conflict. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that helped. Just help is helping you all think about disrespect and the different ways that it manifests and the different ways that you can address that within your relationship. Because really the goal here is to try to nip things in the bud, right? Like stop things before they escalate. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times those are things that people are inadvertently doing. Maybe sometimes it is things that they're intentionally doing, but hopefully making them aware of the impact it's having on you is what will lead to a happy, healthy relationship. Or if they don't respect those boundaries or expectations you set, it might lead to the termination of that relationship. Because if somebody isn't willing to respect those things, it's probably not a good match. They are probably not ready to be in a happy, healthy relationship. So we know that might have been a pretty abrupt ending to some really intense topics, but we decided to divide up what we were talking about into two different episodes because there's so much here that we know is important for anyone who might be dealing with some of these issues or, you know, maybe you know someone who's going through something where you could offer some support by sharing this episode with them. So we will be back next week. We won't leave you hanging. There is more to talk about when it comes to some of these problematic behaviors that either might lead you to decide to leave a relationship or at least know that these are things, you know, that you don't want to let slide and that you want to work together as a couple to move through so that you can have a happier and healthier relationship. So we'll be back next week with more discussion of this and we hope you'll join us. Thanks so much for listening to the PS Let's Talk Love podcast. We want to send out a special thank you to Medium Build for our show music. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know. And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You can just... You can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting. If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.